You're listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, Episode 138. Welcome to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast, where we explore public health epidemiology careers and share tips and strategies to help you enter or transition into the field. And now your host, Dr. Charlotte Hughes-Huntley. Greetings, everyone, and thank you for joining me on this episode. It is my pleasure to introduce to you on this episode a dear colleague of mine, Dr. Tamika Ivory-Walls, and she's going to share her public health career journey with all of you. Now, Dr. Walls is a Mississippi native currently residing in Greenwood, Mississippi. She received her PhD in public health epidemiology from Walden University and a bachelor's of science in biology and chemistry, as well as a master's of science in environmental science from Mississippi Valley State University. Dr. Walls has served as the director of the Mississippi Delta Health Collaborative and state director of health disease and stroke program with Mississippi State Department of Health. Now, she has successfully led efforts in the Mississippi Delta with integrating clinical health outreach workers in health systems. The model has been highlighted in 2018 CDC Guide for Best Practices for Cardiovascular Disease Prevention Programs. Dr. Walls has an impressive and extensive public health background, and I recommend that you connect with her on LinkedIn to learn more about her background. She has facilitated alliances and collaborations with churches, barbershops, health care systems, community-based organizations, municipalities, policymakers, and community health workers. Her research experience includes cancer, cardiovascular disease, and metabolic disease risk prevention in high-risk populations. Dr. Walls is a results-driven and team-oriented professional who has worked in the Mississippi Delta, training, directing, and leading diverse groups. Before I connect the interview with Dr. Walls, I'd like to point out that all views and opinions that she shares in this interview are all her own. Dr. Walls discusses her background from her own point of view and her own perspective and does not represent the state of Mississippi or any organization in this interview. This conversation is purely for the purpose of her sharing her experience with you as public health colleagues. I really wanted to make sure to stress that upfront and to be really clear. It is my pleasure to connect my interview with Dr. Walls right now. So today I'm excited to introduce you guys to my special guest, Dr. Tamika Walls. So Dr. Walls, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Now, if it's all right with you, I'd like to jump right in. We've been chatting a little bit before starting this recording, so I've really gotten a chance to get to know her, and she is doing some amazing work. So in your own words, will you just tell the audience a little bit about yourself, about your background, a little bit about what you're doing now? Yes. Um, good morning. As Dr. Huntley mentioned, my name is Tamika Walls, and I reside in Mississippi. I'm from the Mississippi Delta, born and raised. And so for those of you who may not know the Mississippi Delta, very um, underserved, and a lot of the health conditions or health issues that plague the United States actually are uh, found here in the Mississippi Delta. So we have some of the highest rates of mortality around heart disease, 
um, and stroke, diabetes, and a lot of your other chronic illnesses. And so uh, currently I work for the Mississippi State Department of Health and the Office of Preventive Health. And I have worked around a lot of, um, within the diabetes programs, heart disease and stroke programs, and through the Mississippi Delta Health Collaborative. And so because of the um, conditions that we see around heart disease and stroke, diabetes, and cardiovascular disease, um, the Mississippi Delta Health Collaborative are working in different community sectors to try and see if we can prevent the onset of those illnesses, and then just trying to make sure that those individuals who already have the condition or have the diagnosis, um, making sure that we're getting them into quality care and empowering the community on that level to um, make sure that they are following up with their providers and all of that. And so the work that I'm doing in the Mississippi Delta through the State Department of Health is um, it's, it's awesome work. I enjoy it. And a lot of the work that I do is personal. My grandfather succumbed to heart disease. Um, I had a grandmother and a few other family members who suffer from heart disease. And so this the work that I'm doing here in the Mississippi Delta is not necessarily about my everyday employment at the State Department of Health, but it's a personal venue for me because family members are, are greatly um, impacted for heart disease and stroke. And that's not um, uncommon for the area. We see a lot of heart disease and some of it is accredited to um, lack of access to care, transportation, and um, just the whole culture around health. And so a lot of the work that I even do outside of the State Department of Health is really trying to inform even my family members, even at family reunions, meetings, and uh, baby showers, and, and those type of things, just trying to really make sure that we're getting the word out around noticing signs and symptoms, getting yourself into care, and then following up with your providers. And so my work is twofold. One is I'm employed as a public health professional, but then this is a personal um, personal issue for me as well. So my background has been a lot in public health, but I didn't start in public health. I started off as a, uh, well, my first job was a, a pharmacy technician. And so seeing individuals coming in, picking up, you know, their medicines and all of that. And then I started to work for um, USDA and their catfish genetics. And so I did a lot of work around agricultural research. And so during that time, though, I was in graduate school and I took a public health practicum course. And that course opened my eyes, mind, and heart and soul to public health. I did a field practicum with the local hospital. And I saw a lot of issues around uh, complications to cardiovascular disease. And I uh, took my first public health job of making sure that I um, inform individuals around the human papillomavirus and its connection to cervical cancer. At that time, uh, individuals in the Mississippi Delta and some particular counties um, had some of the highest rates of cervical cancer in the United States. And so I was charged with getting individuals and recruiting women who had not had their pap smears into care. And so while I was on the ground and really knocking on doors and all that, just really fell in love with just real core public health. 
knocking on the doors, educating individuals at their levels. I had been trained as a community health worker at the time. And so just really learning how to educate individuals and connecting them to care and hearing and really seeing it from the community really made a difference. And that has really propelled my career in public health and really helped. And it it really pulls on your heartstring when you're in community and you're there for one thing. Uh, we saw I was there trying to recruit women for pap smears, but I was seeing sometimes that, you know, individuals didn't have food, they were, their light and gas was off. So in order for me to really get them to sign up for one program, I have to make sure that I help to connect them to meet the needs of, you know, meet their individual needs. And so just really seeing all of that and, and making the connections, um, that program was successful. And so because of that, I started working make some connections within the health department and start working with them. That's amazing. I I love hearing your story because I can relate on so many levels, um, including our roots in Mississippi. You know, I've got my mother's family, a lot of family, um, that side of the family is in Mississippi and I've got siblings that are still there. And so much of, you know, what I'm passionate about, especially when it comes down to diabetes, stems back to my family and watching, you know, like you said, the the impact of those conditions, uh, uncontrolled diabetes and heart disease and, you know, the impact of that on my family, it makes it personal. It really does drive you in a whole different way. So your job is not just, you know, your career path and your choice is not just the paycheck. It's so much more to it. So um, I definitely can understand and relate to what you're saying on that too. I also love the the way that you talk about, you know, your your path into public health. Like you knew about, you know, the family connection, so to speak, and and you started with, you know, as a pharmacy tech and then community health worker. I always get really fascinated to hear the different paths and how it all connects and and you know brings people into public health. So all of those experiences play such an important role in, like you said, you know, your experience from each one adds on and leads you up to, you know, really full entry and and like coming full circle with your career in public health. I have a question though. I think this is probably, I understand because I have family and from Mississippi when we talk about the Mississippi Delta, but I just want to make sure for audience sake, can you describe the Delta? Is that a cultural connection or is that an actual regional like geographic location in the state? It is a um, geographical portion of the state. If depending on who you're talking with, it may they it may be defined as maybe an eighteen county region. And sometimes depending on different publications, it may be your twenty or twenty one different county region. And it runs from the northwestern part of the state from the top to down around Warren County for the western part. So it borders um, Louisiana and Arkansas right on the western line. And so those counties are um, considered the Mississippi Delta region. There is a culture around blues. And so we're kind of known for the blues trail as it relates to like entertainment. And it was uh, considered a very agricultural uh, region of the state where a lot of crops are grown, uh, whether that's corn or cotton and a lot of different agricultural beans. Uh, it was considered farmland, or it is considered the farmland. But because we've kind of gotten a little bit more technical, um, you <laughs> may not see a lot of uh, hands in the field, I would say. Now there are a lot of tractors and a lot of more uh, 
equipment that's in the field. But it's very known for, for its agricultural blues. And we have a lot of great assets in the Mississippi Delta region. It's a more family-oriented um, town, region. I know we hear a lot in the in the news and on in white papers about it really being a very underserved, impoverished area, you know, and those type of things. We hear a lot about that. And sometimes, you know, being from the Mississippi Delta and as a public health professional, when you see a lot of those things, it's, it's kind of like, oh, my God, like, really? <laughs> but, it's, <laughs> but it's really, um, when we're reading that, a lot of it is around access. Right. You know, because when you come to the Mississippi Delta, there's not a lot of access, not a lot of nice parks. And, you know, although we have some, it may not even compare to uh, some of the infrastructure in some of the bordering um, counties. And so the papers, when we're talking about poverty and, and those type of things, being here, you really don't, I guess, because you're here, you don't really notice it, but it, it's here. You know, and a lot of that is really credited to the great uh, health outcomes that we're seeing. And a lot of that is related to access. Yeah. Thank you for for breaking that down and explaining that, because um, I know my family is mostly, well, they're kind of spread out around the state, but for the most part, right along the Gulf Coast and just a bit north in that kind of southern Mississippi region. And um, I just know that sometimes when we talk about the Delta, it's almost described as if it's a different culture. But I think your explanation of it was perfect. So for others listening that aren't really familiar with Mississippi, I think that really gives them some a much better understanding. So I appreciate that. It's nice to hear that from someone who's a native and really knows the area. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know when when I hear and I'm at conferences and. You know, we've heard several times, you know, uh, well, if you were to move to Mississippi Delta, you know, our outcomes would be greater. And sometimes you hear that, you know, being a Native, and not just myself, you know, a lot of Native um, individuals, when we hear that, it's like, first be like, oh, my God, like, that's really offensive. Oh, yeah. You know, but when you really look at the data around um, the outcome in comparison to other uh, regions, in Mississippi, even in the United States, is we are seeing a lot of, you know, great outcomes. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it can be offensive when, when you're reading and you're hearing that, you know, around the Mississippi Delta, because this is a, a very cultural, like family oriented, sharing, um, meeting the needs of the people just kind of coming to. And I think sometimes that's why a lot of our public health programs really thrive in the Mississippi Delta region because they thrive on the asset that uh, this is a, a really close connected community. And a lot of the communities in the Delta are connected by communities. And so it's, um, it's really an asset, you know, for for the Mississippi Delta region because of the connectivity that communities have and families have and being able to sit around, you know, the dinner table and sit around, you know, and go to church and have that connection there and, and go and have the, the events in the yards and, mm-hmm. and at parks and those types of things. So it, it, there's a very, um, a culture around just really connecting. And, and some of that, you know, has, 
you know, impacted, you know, maybe even the way we eat. Some some of the things, a lot of the events that we have are centered around food. We we have baby showers and want to know what's going to be on the table for it, you know. But it's um, it's a well-connected region. And so I think some of that has its advantages as it relates to being able to get in and plug in and share information. But for some of the eating habits, and I would say some of the lifestyle things that, that goes on around eating has, I guess, sparked or, or encourages some of those outcomes that we're seeing around diabetes and hypertension and all of that. I think it's really, um, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking it's really nice how connected you are to the community. I mean, it's so clear that knowing your community as intimately as you know your community has to play a vital role in your ability to really perform your duty, your job, your role in public health effectively. Because without really being able to be that closely connected to the community, how would you really be able to almost intuitively know how to interact and communicate and to have successful health campaigns and all the things that you do in designing the programs and implementing programs and overseeing these programs, you know, would you, would you agree? Oh yes, most definitely. But I will say too, even on that, because, you know, I'm in the community, I live in the community and all of that. But sometimes, you know, as a public health professional, you're designing programs and you're doing that based on your expertise or your skills or, what happened with another program and some of these evidence-based models that are out there. But even though we do, I do that, sometimes it's just still easier and much better to go out in the community when you're getting ready to implement or start a new program, go out and host focus groups in those communities because it's easily, you can easily become removed. And so it's still important when you're implementing programs, no matter what it is, even if you implemented it five years ago, to go back to the community and say, hey, I see now that, you know, we're, we're seeing these numbers, what's happening? And really get a chance to really see what's going on, you know? And so it's very important, even though I am in the community, I'm, I was born and raised in the Mississippi Delta and all that, when we're doing programs or we're thinking about doing even mentoring programs or these types of things, it's still important to go really and sit in the community, sit at the town halls, hold these town hall meetings, and really hear from them what's going on. Because as a public health professional, it's really easy to slip away from the community. I, I guess I, I explained that um, it's not hard at all mm-hmm. to miss it. Yeah. It's not hard at all to really miss it. So it's good to kind of really still go back and hear what's going on and talk to them and, and talk to the church members, talk to the mayors, talk to the barbers, talk to the ushers at the churches, you know, talk to Aunt Betty and down the corner, you know, talk to these individuals to really see what's happening because it can easily be missed what's happening. And as a public health professional, we don't ever want to make the mistake that because I'm from the community, because I'm here, because I was born and raised, that I know the community and I know what's going on. It's not hard at all to miss it. That's excellent point. Yeah, that's an excellent point. I'm going to ask you a question now. I know that you really care um, you know, about the community level and so forth. What would you say, you've talked about your work with cardiovascular disease, but what would you say is the condition or the public health problem or the population that you are most passionate about today? I wanted to clear something up. So even though I work 
with the State Department of Health, the views and things that I speak are not, uh, I do not represent the State Department of Health in this podcast. I represent my own personal experiences outside of the health department because we do have some um, regulations and things. So my views are specifically personal based on my personal experience around public health. And so really hearing and seeing all of the the conditions and, and those things that are really um, impacting the populations that I'm working in. I see a lot of cardiovascular um, health, you know, around you know, heart disease and stroke, diabetes. Um, but I would think if you were to ask individuals here what is their major concern around public health issues, it will possibly be cancer and maybe um, obesity and those type of things that are around um, infrastructures and parks and recs and the availability and maybe even like job security and those type of things. And so even though my work uh, has been a lot around cardiovascular disease and the, the stats show that, I think if we really was to get on the ground to ask individuals what are their concerns and what are, their, what are they seeing, um, it would be around um, maybe cancers and then just really employment. So really, truly focusing on the population, the underserved population, really getting to hear from them, not making any assumptions, but, you know, really hearing from the people um, is so important. I like that. So this has been very insightful and I'm really enjoying the conversation and it's also making me a little bit homesick <laughs> for Mississippi. Come back. <laughs> but I, <laughs> I, uh, I do want to ask, uh, I'm going to shift and ask just a couple of more questions before we wrap up. But we have a lot of listeners in the audience who are students currently enrolled in public health programs. And then we also have graduates who have already completed their degree in public health. But maybe you're just having some, you know, difficult time getting into the career field. So just considering the mixture in the audience, do you have some advice, some career advice that you'd like to share with anyone listening who is trying to get involved or trying to get started with public health career? You know, um, I would say as a, um, I started working my first job in public health maybe about 13, 14 years ago. And, uh, and I would say I've been in public health even before that. I was trained as a community health worker when I was in college. But I would say making the connection, networking. If you know, if you have some idea of, public health, even when you're learning and you're looking in your class, the public health arena is very wide. And so just really looking at if there's an epidemiologist that you may want, you like numbers and you want to look at surveillance, maybe contacting some of those agencies who employ those, talking with them. One thing about public health professionals, we love to talk about our work. I mean, because a lot of times when you're in public health, it's a rewarding field. It's not like a field where you're going to really get rich, but the reward of really touching that and reaching that one person. Uh, we understand population health, but we also understand um, individuals because we know one individual could spread a word and can impact the community, can impact population. So we understand that. So reaching Reaching out to those individuals, even if it's just, you know, even if it may be more clinical, a public health nurse, making that connection 
networking with those individuals, attending conferences, those local conferences or even local health fairs. You're going to find some public health individuals there who are there to trying to promote some campaigns or those type of things. Because we talk about public health, you know, and so we talk about um, uh, maybe epidemiologists or nurse, but there are public health um I would say individuals who work on public health campaigns, so there's a communication, so there's public health communications, there's public health leaders, so it's not necessarily all of the science behind a lot of the things. There are some some leadership opportunities in public health. There are clinicals. It's very wide. So I would say making the connections with those, whether that is your local health fairs, your local agencies, or just individuals even if you're even interested, I would even say in public health, maybe um, even looking at some of the disease processes and working some of those type things out, even at your local ministries. And so if you're interested maybe in diabetes, maybe drafting some um, or pulling some information down from like the CDC and reading it at the church announcement, doing your church announcement, maybe starting with know your numbers, getting yourself involved in some of the um the advocacy work that's kind of happening around policy um, and system change strategies and things that's kind of going on in the communities. And so if it's air quality, those type of things around asthma, there are a lot of different fields. Looking at it and really just coming familiar, Googling it, just Googling some some public health um, and just kind of really trying to find your way. I started out in working with women's health. Then I went to oral health. Now I'm in cardiovascular disease. And then recently I've accepted a position where I'm going to um, do some research working in epidemiology. And so it's like I've kind of worked in different sectors within those areas and just kind of finding your way. And, and I would say at the end of the day, all things work together because me working at Walmart in the pharmacy, you know, just really connecting with individuals who have some illnesses. And then in the position that I'm working with now, working with pharmacists and trying to start a medication therapy management program and independent pharmacies, those things kind of work. And so I don't consider myself an expert, but I've been around that world, you know, and so just really making those and, and not discounting your path, not throwing away your path, not, not throwing away, oh, well, this is just spreads or I'm just working at McDonald's, you know, accounting every area you're working in, looking at public health, understanding, you know, the trans fat. If you work, I mean, you know, it sounds really wild, but if you're working at McDonald's now and you're trying to really get into public health, maybe learning some of the air, some of the the campaigns and, and why individuals will have so much access to, you know, high fatty foods and those types of things. And just really look and just really start thinking about in every area where you are making some public health connection to that. And I think it'll pull you. That would help drive you into the field. Oh, that is excellent advice. I'm sitting over here thinking you're preaching, girl. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent, excellent, excellent advice. I wholeheartedly agree with you. I wholeheartedly agree with you. Look for public health. It is everywhere. So it really doesn't matter what your job title is, where you're working. You know, I love the examples you provided. So thank you so much for that. Thank you so much for your time and just everything that you shared on this episode. It's been very inspiring. It's I've enjoyed getting to know you and hearing more about you. And I know 
the audience feels the same way. So thank you so much. I really appreciate that. Yeah, I appreciate you for having me. You know, public health, as I mentioned before, is it has been my appointment, but it has really driven me. It has I have a passion for it. I love to talk about it because it's humans, you know, it's life. When we started talking about complications from different illnesses, we talk about mortality rates and and we're we're um not just reading it mm-hmm. when you can see it. Yeah. And it touches home when it's not just you, it's your family members, it's your church members, it's the lady from down the street, it's, it's helping an individual get out of a car at Walmart and they're suffering and they have an oxygen. You know, it, it becomes personal. Yes. You know, and so it, it's not just, you know, I, I punch a clock and, you know, I do, do the work. I do that. But outside of that, educating every day and then even in your home. You, you know, starting at home. That's right. Yeah. You know, learning, you know, about I'm raising children, you know, and so looking at, you know, what I bring home for them to eat, making time to go out and play, you know, making that play time for them to get outside and, and move around and walk and go to the park and, and those type of things. It's not just it's not a job. It's not it's not a job. It's, it's what we do. Yes, I like that. It's what we do. <laughs> Such good stuff. Thank you, Dr. Walls, so much for everything that you shared. And you and I will definitely be in touch. I look forward to following you as you move into this new epidemiology role. So I'll be getting some more updates from you about that soon. Oh, yeah. And thank you so much for having me again. I appreciate the opportunity that you have allowed for me to just, you know, really talk about the work that I'm doing um, in the Mississippi Delta region and how it's really impacting um, other states and and how we've been able to share the stories and the success and even the triumphs, you know. So, and I, I would say too, even in public health, we always talk about some of the things that we are seeing that's successful, but it's really good to talk about those things that are not that does not work or has not worked, and being able to tweak that. That may be another podcast, but, but yeah. or another conversation. <laughs> but I really thank you for you know providing this platform. For me, and you know, and again, this is not, um, I do not represent an organization here, is what I do personally. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here. Well, I really hope you enjoyed that interview as much as I did. I'd like to thank Dr. Walls for joining me on this episode, as well as sharing such great tips for everyone. You'll find links to connect with her on the show notes page for this episode, which is episode 138. Just go directly to drchuntley.com and click on the podcast tab from the main menu. Once you're there, navigate to episode 138. You can also click on the subscribe button from the homepage of the website to subscribe to the podcast. You'll be among the first to hear new episodes as soon as they are released. All right, everyone. Until next time, have a fantastic rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Public Health Epidemiology Careers Podcast at drchuntley.com.